What's up, y'all? Welcome to this week's edition of Checkerboard Chat. I'm Ethan Stone. I'm here with Josh Lane, Riley Thomas, and Andrew Peters. We're here to talk about just Tennessee football, Tennessee basketball, Tennessee soccer, a lot of interesting things happening in Tennessee athletics this week. Uh, so we're kind of pressed for time. We've had interesting things happen technical, technicality-wise in the past couple weeks. Yeah. So we're just going to jump right into it. First, we're going to talk about football. Obviously, Tennessee goes on the road to Lexington, beats number 18 Kentucky. Pretty exciting week overall. Josh Heupel finally gets that signature win that you know people were talking about, saying you've got to beat the Kentuckys, got to beat the Vanderbilts of the world if you're you know going to succeed here at Tennessee. Josh, what do you think about just how Tennessee did? Yeah, obviously the thing that really stands out to me um, is the time of possession discrepancy, and that's that's. I don't know if that's the biggest story from the game, but as far as Tennessee managing to win despite having the ball a third of the time that Kentucky did and outscoring them, um, I mean, that's that's really the biggest storyline, and I think that speaks to Heupel, what he's done. Obviously, we knew um, that kind of pace of play was what he wanted to bring in when he came in. I think this might be a bit of an exception, a bit of an abnormality. I don't think we're normally going to see Tennessee with this few time of possession, with this, you know, that few minutes. But I do think, um, you know, obviously those those quick touchdowns help. First play of the, of the game from scrimmage is a touchdown. I think three plays later they have another touchdown. And so it plays like that that kind of skewed the numbers. But um, just how efficient the Vols offense was between, you know, high play calling and Hendon Hooker and um, even, you know, not really having much of a run game. Just I guess it's mainly on Hooker, um, you know, with a kind of a career day. But that's, that's probably the biggest thing that stands out to me is just the – total efficiency of this offense that they can score that many points so so quickly. Yeah, it was kind of the battle of two different offenses, I think. You know, you have Tennessee who literally scored on the first play of the game, and then Kentucky took like eight minutes to drive and then answer themselves. So, I mean, like Josh was talking about, 13 minutes and 52 seconds of offense for the Vols. That is a ridiculous number, and I think I saw on Twitter, and obviously not everything you see on the internet is true, but I think this is <laughs> that Tennessee won the, um, against Kentucky with you know 13 minutes and 52 seconds of offense, which is the lowest time of possession in a win since like 2005. Wow, wow. which is, I mean, across college football. Which yeah. you know, if any team was going to do it, I feel like Josh Heifel would be the one you know at the helm of it. And obviously, you know, you had Alante Taylor's pick six, and that obviously helps because Kentucky just gets the ball right back, and then I think they went on another long drive. But you know, I'm just I'm just kind of rambling here at this point to say. Tennessee was kind of set up to win this game. If 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 they got the ball last, if if they got in a position where Kentucky wasn't playing that well of defense, which they did not on Saturday night, you know Tennessee was just going to run away with that one in a shootout. Yeah, I mean we saw at the beginning, the very first play on how this game would go. You know, a seventy-five yarder to Devonte Payton on a screen pass of all things to go to the house, and then it was just a shootout from here and here on out. And I loved watching that football game. That was one of the more exciting crazy games I've ever seen in my life. And honestly, if you look at the box score afterwards, Kentucky had over 600 yards of offense. Will Levis looked like a Heisman front runner. And they ran for not, they had 99 plays in like 46 minutes of possession. If you just look at it, you would have thought Kentucky would have won. Well, they didn't somehow. And who would have thought also that coaching would have like won the game? Heifel, 16 seconds, for, uh, first half, field goal. That's a deciding factor and the pick six in my opinion. Those two plays were the deciding factor. And also, as UT fans, that 4th and 24, how many times have 
<laughs> UT lost after something like that. Like uh, I go back to the Florida in 2015. Was that fourth and eleven with Will Greer? They score on that play, won that ball game. You can just go back and thinking, here we go yeah. again. Hold my beer. I mean, it's going to happen again. But somehow the defense buckles down. They send pressure and they get out of there with the win. Don't know how, but they did. Yeah, it was really a microcosm of the defense as a whole that fourth and twenty-four. Yeah. Um, Josh Heupel even said after the game. Um, Josh and I made the trip up to Lexington. But Josh Eiffel said after the game that it was a unique game, I yeah, guess. To say the least. And yeah, to say the least. And and like I said earlier, that fourth and twenty-four, giving that up, it kind of felt inevitable. I yeah. mean it's like it's fourth and extra long, I yes. think as Josh Heifel put it. But even up there in the press box, I was thinking there's there's about a fifty percent chance mm-hmm. the Wildcats can complete this. And just just in my opinion. But that kind of speaks just to the defense as a whole. It was not good. The no. defense until kind of that last drive, yeah. you know, except for the fourth and twenty-four. Sure, they they really didn't play very well. Alonzo Taylor had his big game. Mm-hmm. Tyler Barron had a pretty big game. Caleb yeah. Tremblay had a big game. Yeah. But it was more individual performances, more than just Tennessee playing yeah. as a unit. I yeah, I think another thing is too. You saw if we if Tennessee would sit back in coverage, he had all day to throw and find him a receiver. The the times that they blitz like on. After that 4th of 24, Tim Beck said, screw it, I'm seeing the house, and it worked every time. I don't understand why he didn't do that the whole game, basically, on passing situations. Why not send the pressure if it's working? And also, again, the quarterback destroyed Tennessee running the football. Like, he didn't have a day Corral did, but I think he ran for like 50 or 60 yards on the ground, probably his best production on the ground all season, and two touchdowns. Going against Georgia, that cannot happen, and third downs again was the storyline. They could not get off the field once again. Three straight weeks against Tennessee defense teams cannot, or they can continue to beat them on third down. Yeah. So, um, you know, Josh and Riley and I have talked a lot about it. Andrew, what what do you think? Does does Tennessee just? I mean, is their defense kind of faltering right now, or do you think it's more just a game by game game basis? I do think it's a game by game basis because you know some, I've watched this defense sometime sometimes throughout the year. I'm just thinking like. Man, they look like they're really good, but then you know we get games like uh, Kentucky, like Ole Miss, where I mean quarterbacks just destroy us, especially mm-hmm. on the ground. Yeah. Um, and I'm just thinking, like, I mean, what is it an adjustment thing? Are we not making the right adjustments? Because mm-hmm. I mean, you see there at the end, the defense comes up huge, and is really the reason we we came out with the win. But I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if it's a bad defense if it's we're not making adjustments. But yeah, I think. I think the defense has a lot to work out over the offseason. Um, Georgia will be a good chance to, to kind of see where we stand after mm-hmm. um, after a couple of a couple of tough games in a row. So, um, And then Georgia will just be the icing on the cake and kind of probably expose our defense a little bit and kind of confirm the point we're talking about. Maybe yeah. we do just have a bad defense. Because yeah. I'm, I'm kind of on that turn of thought is early in the season, this defense was so good. One mm-hmm. of the strengths, you know, the run defense was mm-hmm. one of the top in the country. Then just team after team, game after game, have just been putting up yards. You mentioned over 600 yards, you know, passing Will Levis, um, 372 yards, three touchdowns, 72 yards on the ground, and two more touchdowns, you know, for a pocket passer quarterback. Again, all the third downs that we mentioned. And I I don't know. I think that Tennessee's defense might just be a bad defense. I don't know if it's necessarily play calling or what it is from Banks or whoever you want to want to say, but they're not getting any pressure on the quarterback. And that was the case, you know, against Alabama. And that, right. I thought that was just Alabama's right. offensive line. But I don't think Kentucky's offensive line is anything special. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they're a bit better than I thought, but they got no pressure on, on Will Levis for most of the game. And I, and I, I told Ethan at one point, 
I know the absence of Latrell Bumpus, who didn't play. I know that's not that's not the deciding factor between Tennessee being a bad and a good defense. So I think it's just this group of players. We've had some good individual performances, but I think Tennessee might just have a bad defense at this point in the season, and that's that's tough with how with how you know with the style of offense that they play that they move so quick and that yeah. it puts so much pressure on the defense to you know kind of defend against those sustained drives. But I think. It's that they just have a bad defense, and that's something they they're gonna have to figure out. You, you know, maybe they need to move a little slower on offense just to keep the defense off the field a little yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. That's just where I'm at this point in the season. You actually hit on my point just as you were ended, ending talking. I'm not necessarily thinking that I'm not of the thought process anyway that that Tennessee has a bad defense. I think it's more Tennessee's just tired. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're on yeah. the field for 46 minutes. Yeah. It, I mean, I don't care who you're playing. You can be playing South Alabama. You're gonna be tired yeah. with that kind. And so it's it's kind of that like the the title of my latest article was Speed Kills and <laughs> it, it kills the other team but it also kills their own defense, team. Like yeah. like if 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 you're moving that fast, sure you're putting up points, that's good. Right. The other team's gonna put up points too eventually. Sure. And and you know, we saw those drives by Kentucky going from longer to shorter to shorter as mm-hmm. the as the game wore on because those guys like Alante Taylor, gassing. like Byron Young, yeah. it's just gassing them. Yeah. It's just gassing them. So so I think Kind of to Josh's point, they've got a lot of good individual players on this team. Yes. I think they also have a lot of good role players, mm-hmm. but those role players aren't quite suited to move that quickly yeah. and just be on the field so much. Yeah, I, mean, I think this is the first year most of these guys are seeing this much game action. Now, granted, yes, this is the ninth ball game, but like you said, they're out there running 100 plays a game. They're going to get gassed at some point. And also, a couple of quick little points. Um, well, I thought going to the game, Tim Banks and Levis were at Penn State last year. So I thought Banks would have That's a little true. more of a game plan against Levis. That didn't work out. And just going back real, real quickly to just the defense in general, they put all their effort, I feel like, in the first and second down. And I don't know if they get relaxed on third or something just happens, and then they get the third down, and then it's just a constant cycle. So I'm not sure what's got to get fixed there, but – We'll see what happens against Georgia. Now, honestly, my opinion, get past Georgia, really fix the South Alabama and Vanderbilt. You know, you really get to figure yourself out those two last two games, and then we'll go from there. So Yeah, so obviously just kind of moving into Georgia real fast before we head into soccer, head into women's basketball. Um, obviously, Georgia number one team in the country. There's not really a close second place. Um, there's been a lot of teams fighting for that second, third place spot, but the Bulldogs have always kind of been that constant number one. Um a killer defense, you know, kind of akin to 2001 Miami. It's it's just a team that doesn't allow very many points. It's a team that forces turnovers, and they really just punish you for not being perfect on offense. And uh, and you know, offense is kind of a different story for the Bulldogs. They're they're a little better than average, I'd say, on offense, but they don't blow you away. Um, kind of like Georgia teams in the past have. But, Josh, just what do you think about what Georgia presents this week? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a challenge. One of the, one of the, we're talking about one of the greatest defenses maybe in college football. We'll see uh, how things play out over the course of the end of the season. But some numbers, they've allowed 59 points through nine games. That's an average of 6.5 points per game. That's that's two field goals. Six wow. six points per game. That is, that is insane. They shut out Arkansas. Um, I think it was back in September when they were, you know, a top 10 team, held Auburn to 10 points next week, right? They The most points they've allowed in one game is 13. Um, I think Kentucky did it of all teams, mm-hmm. Kentucky and South Carolina. 
But I mean, still, just just those numbers alone. That's 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 the kind of defense we're talking about. Obviously, Jordan Davis leads the way. Um, bit of a Heisman candidate on the defensive line. That doesn't happen too often, but it's it's just a, it's going to be a tough defense. But I do think, and I don't I don't I got to be careful of the wording. I don't think it's an, necessarily an advantage for Tennessee, but I think that it's something to watch. The fact that Georgia has not played an offense with the style that Tennessee runs it with, just the fast pace, you know, play after play after play. That that could be a challenge for them. I don't know if that's you know that's saying that Georgia's you know Tennessee's going to upset Georgia, but it's it's something to watch. That that's just something that Georgia hasn't seen. Can they make the adjustment? I bet they probably do, but um, that could be that could be a wild card in this one going forward. Yeah, um, I mean, I I think one of the things is too that what's crazy is somehow the highest they've let against is Kentucky is thirteen. Which is surprising to me, but also going off of Josh's point, they haven't faced an offense like this. Now, obviously, this this defense is basically with eighty five Bears. So I mean, like, I obviously Ethan loves that comment, but uh, he ramped that up. But I mean, it could pose some problems. But with as many pros as this defense has, it's not going to be the biggest issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, this defense is unreal, top to bottom, all first, second, third rounders, literally one and probably two deep. Um, Tennessee has to score probably 30-plus to even come close to competing with Georgia. Let's just be honest. I mean, they have to. Do you think that's realistic? Do oh, I don't, but, yeah. like, yeah. that's what has to happen. Absolutely. I don't think that's going to be a realistic issue. And with the, if the defense is playing a suspect against Kentucky, I don't know how it's going to work against Georgia, who, which is crazy, they're basically too deep a quarterback. Stetson Bennett is another runner who's probably going to run all over Tennessee again because the last three have. He, he's okay at passing. Now, can he make mistakes? Of course, that could happen. Can Tennessee force him into doing turnovers like Levis, pick six? Definitely could happen. No, I see it happening. I don't because they're just so well coached. They're top to bottom, better. Roster is better. Tennessee is, you know, on a high, running high off a big win. In Knoxville, that could help out for maybe a half like Alabama. But at the end of the day, Georgia will just probably overpower them at some point. I will say the one thing before we move on to soccer, um, obviously a big win there in the SEC tournament, but one thing before I move on to that, just I've said it for a couple weeks now, and I feel like people are going to think I'm crazy when I say this. If there's a team that's going to beat Georgia this year, I think it's going to be Tennessee. You got a point. I just think Tennessee, I don't think they're going to. No. Let me preface this. Let me preface this. <laughs> if you do, Knox was burning to the ground. Georgia is a good, good, good football team. Yeah. I think they're going to beat the balls. But if there was a team that could do it, Tennessee, on paper, they're the ones that could do it because you have a fast, you have a fast offense yes. that could maybe make their defense a little tired. If you get into a shootout with them, Tennessee's probably the best equipped team to win a shootout in yeah. the nation, except for maybe Ole Miss. Yeah. And, you know, defense. If Hypel is smart, Hypel will make defense just irrelevant. Irrelevant, yeah. <laughs> just, just score as much as you can, make Stetson Bennett, make Georgia's offense, yeah. score with you, keep yeah. up, mm-hmm. and know your strengths, you know. And I feel like Hypel has done a pretty good job with that. He knows, you know, I mean, he did it just this week with Kentucky. He knows their offense is not built to move quickly yeah. at the end of games yeah. and win games like that. So if you just score... <laughs> you're going to win. Gonna win. You know, it's, yeah. it's like it's like being as basic as you can about the game of football. It's like what you do when you're a five-year-old outside in your backyard. You just score. That's all yeah. that matters. Yeah. No, nothing else matters. So I think that'll be interesting to see how Josh mm-hmm. will, Josh Heupel will, I guess, game plan for yeah. Georgia, knowing that, you know, it's it, it's not off the table that, that they could do it. 
Yeah, I saw a tweet. I can't remember who it was from, but it said uh, Georgia is due to pull a Georgia soon. So that's it, what, it could that's happen. What I'm it's very possible. Saturday. I think the matchup this weekend is their D line versus Tennessee's offensive line. Yeah, absolutely. because obviously their front four, front seven is the best in the country. Pros all across the board. Can Tennessee's O line somehow? I wouldn't say contain, but like. I don't know. I, I, there's probably not a good word that somehow because you can't stop them. But can they either exp, not exp, either run around? <laughs> I don't know. Is, can they just somehow contain them as best as possible? Because they're going to make plays. It's just going. Jordan Davis is a, a sculpted human being, six six three fifty, can run like a gazelle at that big. It, it's just like can you somehow contain them a little bit to where you can somehow make big plays. I think Tennessee needs to do a lot of quick passing, no st- dropbacks, because they're going to get their sacks. They're going to make their pressure. You cannot run at them. you got to run around them somehow. Quick passes, quick stuff, screen pass like they did last week, somehow get them off their feet and cannot get back to the quarterback. Yeah, ten- I mean, Tennessee football, I think, at, all, all my years watching Tennessee football, you know, growing up, watching the balls, mm-hmm. I don't think I've had as much confidence in an offense before. Yeah. Not necessarily a team. In yeah. a long time. Like, to win a game, but yeah. just an offense to yeah. move the ball down the field. Agreed. Hendon Hooker's going to find Devontae Payton. He's going to find Cedric Tillman. Yeah. And if not, Tyon Evans is going to bulldoze you up the middle. Yeah. There's, they just have a good group going right now. Yeah. So, I kind of trust that they can put up some points against Yeah. Just, it is worth noting that, to your point, Riley, that the offensive line finally for the first time in a while is healthy yes we had yeah. Cade Mays return back mm-hmm. Cooper Mays is back now they have the group you know you don't have not no shade against Dane Davis or whoever else but you don't you know you have the guys that you want starting back on the line and I don't know if that's necessarily going to make a difference against against Georgia but yeah. I mean it was a big reason why um I don't know what that sign meant there. Ethan's <laughs> <laughs> flashing hand signals. I guess I'll, I guess I'll wrap it. I don't know. I'll, I'll wrap it up. But I mean, the the line was back and healthy, and it was a big reason why Hendon Hooker was so efficient against mm-hmm. Kentucky. Um, he didn't face much pressure all, all night. So yeah, that is that is definitely something to watch. I, I don't know how big of a difference maker it will be. But big game for Cade, obviously. Second time yeah. playing Georgia. See how that motivational factors one, into one it. SEC offensive lineman of the week this past week for yeah. Kentucky. Ooh, so. that guy. Maybe the last few games on Rocky Top, I see him going pro, honestly. But we'll see what happens on Saturday. Yeah, so the, the – sorry, I'm still laughing. The hand sign I was flashing to Josh was a little man kicking a ball because I think we should talk about soccer now. <laughs> ah, we've, we've got – That's a tough call, Ethan. Man, that was I, a I tough call. That <laughs> was a, I thought you were like a little running man. Yeah, yeah. If, if we did this on YouTube, you guys would see just how ridiculous it looked. That would be next week. But, yeah. But, <laughs> exactly. Got to get a camera in here now. Or... But, but, you know, all seriousness – all seriousness, all seriousness, you know, Brian Pinsky and the Tennessee Vols just won the SEC championship, and, um, obviously against Arkansas, I believe it was 3 to nothing. Yeah. Andrew, just walk me through that. Yeah, so, um, I mean, obviously, there's not much of a surprise here. The Lady Vols have been just absolutely stellar all season. Um, two losses uh, to Arkansas and Vanderbilt. Um, they come in, they just run through Florida. Uh, Ole Miss gives them a little bit of challenge, but they get by them, and then obviously a huge shutout against Arkansas, 3-0. Um, I think what was so great about the team in this tournament, it, w- it wasn't just the Jada Thomas show. Um, it wasn't just the Taylor Huff show. Everybody was getting in. Um, even Ren French had a, had a goal off the back line, the, the first goal yesterday against Arkansas. So, yeah, I mean, just an absolutely great run um, to top off an amazing season for them. Um, they they probably deserve this more than anybody in the SEC. They just they 
they're obviously the best team, and it, it's good to see them to see them uh, win, and especially against Arkansas, the only team that's beat them besides Vanderbilt. But yeah, it was I mean just a great run for them. Um, there's a lot of players you can talk about, but uh, if anybody wants to, yeah. So I mean, Abby Burdett wins the tournament yeah. MVP on defense. Uh, I guess. You mentioned Jada Thomas. I think she had five goals in the in the series. But for someone on like Abby to win it on defense, and especially after a shutout of Arkansas, like just how how big was how big was defense for them, the Lady Vols and and their little tournament run here? Yeah, I mean the the defense is huge. Um, obviously, you give up two goals to Florida and Ole Miss. That's that's always tough. But but I mean the defense just looked great. Um, they got the shutout on on Sunday. Um, you can't really say enough about this defense from Ren French, Abby Burday, um, Lindsey Romage, and Goal. Um, they really just their defense kind of gets overshadowed a little bit because the offense is so great. But I mean, really, the defense is what has gotten them through this season. Um, it took them uh, I don't know, don't know the exact number, but a lot of minutes to allow their first goal. Um, and so that defense just showed up this weekend um, in the tournament. So yeah, no surprise that she came out with the uh, tournament MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, I know the selection show is this, is that we're recording this on on Monday, so it's this afternoon. hasn't happened yet, but just what's that kind of outlook look like? I mean, what's the sort of format of the soccer postseason right now, and mm-hmm. you know where's where's Tennessee kind of stand going into this show? Yeah, so Tennessee ended the season at I believe number twelve in the nation. Um, obviously, an SEC tournament win is huge for that, um, especially over Arkansas, who's um, one of the best teams in the nation right now. So I think. I think this tournament win kind of moves them up into that that first first or second tier um, in the nation. Um, they're most likely going to host after an SEC tournament win, which I think is huge. Um, it would be cool to for those seniors, um, a great group of seniors, to be able to come home and play um, at home one more time. So uh, yeah, the tournament selection shows this afternoon. Um, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see to see what how that SEC tournament win. Uh, impacts their their standings um, going into the tournament. Is it sixty four teams? Do we how many is it? Yeah, it's, it's 60, 64 If I'm sixty four. Yeah, yeah. Josh and I were driving back from Lexington actually when we you know we had just tweets on for mm-hmm. for the Lady Vols. I wasn't able to watch it. I kind of wish I would because yeah. they're, they're, they just have a historic run going right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they beat um, who all have they beat? I believe it's. Florida, Ole Miss, and Arkansas, who, I mean, top SEC teams to get to get to where they are. And, you know, obviously they have a long road ahead of them. Much more work to be done. Um, but, yeah, just, it's just nice having an SEC championship team on mm-hmm. campus. Obviously, mm-hmm. I believe Men's Tennis did it last spring. So, I mean, it's, it's looking up for not just football, not just basketball. A lot of sports it's, are going up, it's, yeah. it's looking up for a lot of... Uh, a lot of athletics, I guess, on campus, yeah. and obviously you got the volleyball team. They just won yesterday as mm-hmm. well. They they broke a uh, three game skid, I guess, is what you yeah. can call it. So so a lot of stuff heading forward, I guess. That's yeah. actually something that Awante Taylor brought up today in his press conference, mm-hmm. um, his weekly press conference. Um, you know, he he congratulated the soccer team. They they're just talking about the the culture shift, specifically within the football program. But mm-hmm. I guess with Danny White coming in and yeah. just the entire, you know athletic program in general it seems like every sport's kind of trending up exactly. and so you know uh, the sports recognize other sports success I, I think that's something cool to see yeah, yeah. It, so, sorry about that it, it is really cool to note so i just wanted to jump mm-hmm. in before you get your point in 
it is really cool to note just how other coaches really see, like like Josh said, how they really seem to care about how other coaches on campus are doing. Mm -hmm. Rick Barnes in his media day just a little bit ago, probably yeah. a week or two ago, he went out of his way to name everybody. Every like volleyball, Ivrak Mwad, Brian Pinsky with, mm -hmm. with soccer, just, you know, Bryn Webb with golf, all sorts of stuff. He was mm -hmm. just, he was like, you know, they're doing a great job over there. They're doing a great job at yeah. softball. They're doing a great job over there. And that just speaks to how big the SEC and Tennessee is becoming, really. They're, they're, they're just, everywhere you look, there's success at yeah. Tennessee. Yeah, yeah just kind of nail, to nail on that point of, of team supporting teams, um, pretty much every soccer game that I went to, um, I, it, I would see like a basketball player there or fellow athletes. Um, Santiago Piscovi was, I think, at probably most of the soccer games. So, I mean, these players are going out and supporting each other, which I think is pretty awesome to see. So, I think it's just nice to see unity on campus mm -hmm. again because, like, the previous regime, they have <laughs> only cared about football and maybe basketball, mm -hmm. but now you've got Danny White in caring about, like you said, soccer, volleyball, basketball, mm -hmm. football, tennis. I mean, everything, everybody, UT Sports right now is at a premium. Mm -hmm. Like, football's on the rise. We just mentioned soccer just won. Baseball made the World Series since the first time since 05. Softball competes year in, year out, hosts a regional, super regional. Uh, I mean, sports right now on campus are alive and well. It's, it's exciting to be on campus. Yeah, so, I mean, just kind of as a segue for that, another one that's we haven't really talked about too much that's on the up and up, Kelly Harper and, and the yeah. women's basketball team. Yeah. We'll blame um, that on the technologies because we talked about we it a did. lot. Yes, Man, we did. So in the episode that never that will never air. Yeah. Again. It's, it's definitely fair to blame technology every once in a while. Sorry. Uh, you know, women's basketball, they in exhibition beat Georgia College. I can't remember what the exact score was because it was a whipping. Yeah. <laughs> 64. One by 64. Yeah, and obviously, you know, Kelly Harper beat, I believe it was her brother. Mm -hmm. Good old sibling rival. She didn't really let up, though. That's going to be tough on Thanksgiving. Yeah, that's got to be tough on Thanksgiving. But guys, just, just walk me through where Tennessee's outlook yeah. is going. Maybe a quick Georgia College recap. Just whatever you can. Yeah, just to recap Georgia College, um, like you said, it was a whipping. Uh, <laughs> <Simple>. <laughs> it's a good word. Yeah. Good, it's a good word. Obviously, it's, it's Georgia College. It's not a Power 5 program. Um, it, but it really was just an all-around great win. It's, it's similar to Tennessee's win over the men's win over Lenore Ryan. I mean, they just looked absolutely great. Um, they had five players in double figures. Um, a lot of a lot of newcomers showing out. Um we can talk about this a little bit more in a minute, but Alexis Dye, um, her first game at Tennessee, just looked phenomenal. Uh, all the freshmen played. Every single player scored. Every single player that suited up scored, mm -hmm. um, which is, is really cool to see. Um, they, they just looked like they were playing well together um, already. And, yeah, um, I, I mentioned this in last week's episode that didn't get aired, but um, late in the game, they're up 50 or 60 points, but they're still diving for loose balls. They're still running down the court. Uh, just trying to stop plays, um, and I think that just kind of says a lot about the culture. Um, there's definitely a winning a winning culture here, and I'm sure uh, Kelly Harper uh, understands what it means to. I'm I'm not sure. I know she understands what it means to to be a lady ball and kind of the culture that comes with that. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of positives to take away from that game. Yeah, I look at the numbers here. Um, of course, Ray Burrell leads it with 18 points. We kind of figured that would happen. Jordan Horson had a nice game, but you you mentioned Alexis Dye. Newcomer, first game in Tennessee, scores 12. Keen Green coming off of an injury, mm -hmm. she has 11. Just, I think those two really stick out to me. So just what did you see from them in terms of, you know, what they can bring to the team this year yeah. in terms of depth? You know? I mean, both of those, uh, they'll just add depth in the front in the um, the front court because obviously the back court with Ron Davis being gone, but Horston, Ray Burrell will hold that position down. 
But to me, the, one of the big keys for Tennessee this year, like you said, Alexis Dye, Tamari Key, Con Green, just holding down that front court. You could tell their size was a big factor in Georgia College. Obviously, when you play a better opponent, it'll be a much even more matchup. But you could tell they had 64 rebounds on Wednesday. Oh, my God. Wow. I think like 30 of it was on offensive, and then 30, um, like 34 was on defensive. So that was a huge mismatch. I think Tamari had maybe five blocks as well. So, I mean, they just, I mean, they overpowered Georgia College. Y'all can't see my face right now, but I am shocked. I did yeah. not know 64 was the it number. Was, I, uh, yeah, a lot of, <laughs> simple enough, a lot of rebounds. Wow. So, if they can ride that out the rest of the season, the, the depth of Tennessee, the women's, is a big factor. They are very deep. I think they, like you said, they played all 13, 14 players. Um, so, that, to me, is a big key this season. Seeing all the front court out there, all the freshmen, um, just seeing all the newcomers and just back to normalcy in women's basketball and basketball in general. One by sixty-four, great start for women, honestly. Yeah, I know. Last sorry, I know last year. Um, their success in the paint was a big part of that, and mm-hmm. we mentioned the rebounds, but points in the paint. Obviously, they had a huge size advantage over Georgia College. But do you think going forward, they're still well equipped to have that? That same dominance in the paint between Key and Green and Tamara Key and whoever else you want to throw in there. Yeah, I mean they they have they don't have maybe as much size as you want um, from an SEC team, but they've got a few players over six four, six five. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tamari Key is is obviously just a beast in the paint. Yeah. Um, she's long. She'll block pretty much anybody's shot. Um, but I think and the the stat sheet don't show this, but w- watching the game on uh, last Wednesday, I mean. The, the smaller players, Alexis Dye, uh, Ray Burrell, like these players that are, you know, six feet, a uh, little under six feet, a little over six feet, they're they're getting the paint too, and they're mm-hmm. they're the ones that are grabbing boards as well. Um, they're, I I kind of compare him to, to Grant Williams. Obviously, he was pretty undersized in his position. Mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, if a player, a taller player is backing him down, instead of trying to go up and block the shot, he'll go low. And I kind of notice that a lot with some of these players. Um, if they're if they're being backed down in the paint and they weren't they weren't undersized on on Wednesday they're a lot bigger than the other team but they have the ability to kind of like find these ways to get the basketball even if they're not even if they're it's a mismatch on the size yeah. um, so I think I think that kind of like I guess basketball IQ is is going to be a huge factor in that so yeah. yeah I don't I don't think size will be too much of an issue but I do think that obviously you're not going to have that many boards against an SEC team but. You mentioned points in the paint. So they scored 108. Mm-hmm. Their points in the paint, they scored 74, 78, 78 points in the paint yeah, of yeah. 108. So I mean, that also just goes to the size difference. And also the defense just clamped Georgia College. Obviously, they scored 44 points. I think they shot 25% or below, forced 25 turnovers. So, I mean, it was just an all-out amazing showing from each individual on tennis. Like you said, H ball scored, I saw – each scored at least four and had one rebound apiece. So just an all-out overall great showing. Obviously, exhibition game. I wouldn't say the first game's the first true test, but power Cup opponent in Southern Illinois. The first true test with them will come Friday in Orlando against Central Florida. Central Florida is not ranked, but on the road, Orlando, hostile environment. You know, fans will be there more than likely in Florida two days after the first home opener. So we'll really see how well they stack up. And then on Monday, they got USF, who's a top 25-ranked team. So out the gate, they've got tough opponents. So we'll see if that size is a factor, if they play well on defense. Also, one thing to look forward to look at, they didn't really shoot that well from the free throw line, shot below 50%. Yeah. So that's one thing that needs some potential work. They can work on that easy, you know, shoot free throws every day in practice. But in the future against a better team, 
you miss those easy ones, that could come out the bottom a little bit. So get get that over a little bit now, and then get better closer to the season. Yeah, and that was that was the main one of the main points that Kelly Harper talked about in the post game presser. Yeah. Just the, they've got to clean up the free throws. Sure. I mean, you can't shoot like that when you get into to postseason SEC play. Yeah. Um, and I think they will clean that up. It's their their first of game course. out of scrimmage. So I think I think uh, with uh, the further they get on to the season, the the more they'll clean that up. Um, another point she emphasized, which is. It's funny looking at a stat sheet. You wouldn't think that this is something that she would have emphasized, but she talked about um, scoring in the paint more. Which, yeah. <laughs> How can you get more than that? Yeah. They did a great job scoring in the paint, but I think she she wants to emphasize um, kind of running the offense, not through Tamari Key, but getting Tamari Key more involved in the sure. offense and um, it, you know get her posting up, get running plays for her down low. So uh, I'll be I'll be interested to see how they kind of make that adjustment going into yeah. this next week. Yeah, um, so next game, obviously, uh, it'll be Wednesday, 7 p.m., uh, Southern Illinois. That'll be their first official game of the season. Like you said, it shouldn't be a, a necessarily challenging opponent, mm-hmm. but just another game to kind of get the Kings out to get to iron everything out, sure. smooth it out before you, before you face some tougher opponents going forward. It's exciting times, honestly. I mean, you know, like you said, first game, Southern Illinois, Wednesday night. Um, I, I, I do believe you'll, you'll see more of the same thing. Uh, with domination down low, like you said, Tamari Key. I think one of the key things with her being, you know, six six, towering over everybody. At least she can touch the ball every possession. Mm-hmm. Like either touching the block, have defenders come down on her, just leaves a wide open looks. So I think that's a big thing. And like you said, Ray Burrell scored eighteen seven nine, a very efficient shooting yeah. basketball. That impressed me the most, just on how efficient she was able just to score on just two shots. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't attempt too many threes. I think what seven of seventeen, something like that. So still efficient scoring overall wise. So just an overall great night. Obviously, you really can't take too much, but just something to build upon. Like, hey, we can do this and do that against everybody. Just something you can work on in practice and just build up for Southern Illinois, UCF. And so it'd just be exciting just to see how they continue off the momentum going into this week um, and into the regular season. So Yeah. Yeah, so, um, you know, quick kind of recap on women's basketball. Obviously, they have a bright future ahead of mm-hmm. them um, of course. You know, moving forward. They have a pretty tough non-conference schedule. I know before tough. obviously yeah. heading into the South yeah. Carolina as the SEC, you know, Giants, I guess. Mm-hmm. Another team that has a really tough non-conference schedule, the men's basketball team. Obviously, mm-hmm. they have their first game. You can go. I'm good. I've okay. got a few minutes to try upstairs. We can, we can. So, obviously, the men's basketball team, they have their first game tomorrow. It is Monday today that we're recording. It'll be Tuesday at 7 p.m. against mm-hmm. UT Martin. Um, obviously, Rick Barnes has his team kind of moving in the right direction right now. They've got, you know, Kennedy Chandler, five-star freshman, five-star power forward, and Brandon Huntley-Hatfield. A lot of potential on that team. Just... Josh, I'll, I'll start with you. What do you what do you think about this matchup tomorrow? Who do you think um, you know we should be watching out for, and, and how do you think the balls will fare? Yeah, I, I guess I'll just take the boring answer. I'll go with I'll say I'm watching Kennedy Chandler again. Um, <laughs> he looked really good in exhibition against Lenore Ryan, and you know, I guess the competition will be a little hard against UT Mark. I don't think it's going to be anything necessarily crazy as you know until we get to the rest of the non conference. But it's just another game for him. Um, I'm interested to see how he does improving-wise. I think, you know, he, he obviously was scoring well. He had the rebounds and assists and everything. But I think just another game in the offense, you know, just kind of learning Rick Barnes and his teammates and everything else. I, I'm just I'm just watching for him and for growth um, just to see how he improves in these in these non-conference games, see whether he maybe he struggles, you know, just out making the jump from high school to college. 
Um, just, you know, plain and simple, just watching Kenny Chandler and see see what he can do this Saturday. Or not Saturday. Yes. It's not football. <laughs> <laughs> not not football season. Tuesday. Yeah. Man, my days are off. That's yeah, all right. Yeah, but, you know, we'll, I'll give the 10-second recap, I guess, of what we went over last week. Obviously, that, that episode didn't air, but, mm. you know, you got... Big guys like Kennedy Chandler, like Brandon Hatley Hatfield, like we've talked about earlier, but there's just so many players on this team that can contribute mm -hmm. that obviously John Fulkerson is coming back. Most Vols fans will probably know that guy's name, I'd yeah. say. Um, you know, you got Justin Powell, the, the, <laughs> you got Justin Powell, the transfer from Auburn. He's looking good, great shooter, um, you know, can create his own shot in his own regard. Victor Bailey, Viscovi coming back, obviously both of them are kind of hot from three-point land. We'll see how that, you know, plays out this semester this year for um, for Tennessee basketball but but let's talk just a little bit about UT Martin it's kind of hard because you know most teams you can on the first game of the year you can go back to last year last season see how they played you can get a pretty good idea I guess of you know what the competition of, is going to be this year you can't do that because UT Martin does not return a single starter or player <laughs> From their 2020, never heard roster. that before. In my I life. have never heard that in my yeah. entire I think life. It, I don't think it's ever happened before. If I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure it has. I, I looked it up just while while they were talking women's basketball and soccer a little bit. I looked it up just to make sure that that stat was correct because I couldn't believe it. Yeah, and it is 100 percent correct. And the thing that is crazy about that is most of them weren't even seniors. Let me let me read it off here. Most of them were juniors. It seems you got Cameron Holden was their leading scorer. Um, Anthony Thomas, another leading scorer. He was actually a freshman. He transferred. I don't know where to wow. because there's just so many of them. It's hard to keep up with. Yeah. But I guess I'll make a long story short here. We don't know anything about this team, <laughs> and that most likely spells that they're not going to be a very good team. <laughs> <laughs> I would think so as well. <laughs> so, I think sportsbooks, I got a favorite Tennessee is 35, 30, 36, something astronomical. See, and, and something I love about college basketball is you just never know. You I don't. Mean, UT Martin, this would be perfect for UT Martin to come and compete in this game just because it's a bunch of nobodies. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm sorry to the UT Martin players. I just don't know who you are. I cannot find <laughs> I cannot find there, You know, there's a bunch of UT Martin people who listen to this. They're going to come here and just crap on all over you. I've got, I've got one, one current UT Martin player name. A transfer from North Florida, Josh Endicott, averaged 8.7 points at 6.2 rebounds. Last year in North Florida. All right. So player to watch. Player to watch. Player to watch. Josh Endicott. And that was actually their, I'm trying to, re, that was their best, not returner, but their best transfer. Those were the best numbers. Yeah. 8.76. I will say this much. They have some fun names on this team. KK <laughs> um, Curry from Cleveland, Tennessee. Okay. I'm, I'm looking Local forward to boy. seeing how, how he can play. He's a forward 6'6", 205 sophomore. But... Thing that's crazy about this too is all the incoming guys. It seems most of them are transfers. Interesting. About half of them. I, I yeah. think I'm reading that no, about it was, six. It's, it's nine transfers and five true freshmen. That's a breakdown. Wow. I mean, that, yeah. is, that is just incredible. I think I think with this, these types of programs a lot, you just get these like transfers from maybe junior colleges, maybe mm -hmm. higher programs, and they're they're moving to to UC Martin to get a little bit more playing time. But it's it's still surprising. But I think that's kind of why you see that. You know, you just got players leaving and coming in um, yeah. just every other season, you know. Yeah, yeah and, and what better way for them to start their Division One careers than against the number <laughs> yeah. 13? I mean, we've talked <laughs> a lot about Tennessee building chemistry, and obviously it helps a lot this year um, with not all the COVID protocols that they had last year, but I can only imagine you've assembled a completely new team. I mean, you have to start on ground zero and build chemistry. I mean, I don't know if this is Martin's first game, if they've had an exhibition or yeah. what, but just from a simple chemistry standpoint, like how – how is that going to translate into a game? I just found out something else absolutely incredible. 
Tennessee Martin's coach, Ryan Ritter is his name. It, it's his first year, too. <laughs> and yeah. Nobody knows I mean, what's happening at this school. They all, <laughs> they all just showed up and were like, hey, y'all, want to play some basketball? Seriously. By the way, we've got I think it Tennessee started as a pickup game. I think it might have. It to I mean, they were playing in the rec center. <laughs> started grabbing guys. They went to, like, Rucker Park or somewhere and just grabbed some people at yeah. this point. I mean, we're just – I mean, I, I don't want to just, just have a 30-minute segment on, on us clowning these guys. So, so I mean, <laughs> I guess we can kind of talk about last season, even though it won't really help. Tennessee Martin only won one, eight games last season. Season. I yeah. think in the season before that, they, let's see here, they went 9-20. and 20. I'm not even sure how long it's been since Tennessee Martin has had a winning team, and obviously that's what you're going to see from these OVC schools, from the Ohio yeah. Valley Conference schools. It's it's a game that Tennessee pays them to come, come to to just learn yeah. how their system works, learn how Tennessee's system works, and ease into the tougher competition. you yeah. got East Tennessee State coming up, I believe, Sunday, and then you got Villanova after that. So... Obviously, you know, probably enough talking about Tennessee Martin because we don't really know anything about them. But just Tennessee, how do you think they will address this game? I think it's just a good another another tune up. Obviously, before Villanova, you said ETSU on Sunday. Just um, I think it's just more things you can just work on. Obviously, against Lenore Ryan, you started out a little slow on defense. Obviously, you won by what fifty eight, fifty six, something crazy still. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, in this presser, Rick Barnes wasn't too too happy with how his defense played. Still room for improvement, and that's what these games are for, ultimately. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, you obviously want to come out there and win and do all that, but it's still a game to learn. you got a, a lot of young players on this team still. Uh, still some veterans, but mo- ultimately this team is taken over by newcomers. So this game and, and a couple other future ones are just to get these guys more acclimated, used to the style of play, the quick pace of basketball. And that that's what t- tomorrow will be for. You will see Tennessee more likely win by, you know, 40, whatever it might be. Hopefully, to goodness, they do. Just a strong showing from each individual. Kenny Chandler again, Holly Hatfield, Sakai Ziegler. Hopefully, Folky is back soon. That's another thing, too, for the guys like Jonas Adu and Folky, who had been playing lately because of injuries and sickness. Hopefully, I'm not sure. Are they back tomorrow? Do we know yet? I haven't heard yet. Okay. I, I, I think I believe Fulkerson is not. Yeah. Not okay. Plan. I didn't he think so. He was questionable a while ago, and if I'm Rick Barnes, which obviously I'm not Rick Barnes, I would not be playing. I agree. I was just curious. Um, I just didn't know if they were going to be back, but yeah, as soon as later they are. You need back for Villanova, obviously. So no get them out there, hopefully quicker mm-hmm. to get them more, you know, in basketball shape. Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I think it would be a sin not to touch on this Tennessee broke their record, I believe, for three-pointers. It, it would have been. I don't it, think it counts. Yeah, obviously, it's, it's, it's an exhibition game, yeah. but they would have broken their record for most yeah. three-points attempts in a game since, like, 2009, something like that, mm-hmm. something crazy like that. Obviously not something that you usually see from a Rick Barnes team. It's going to be interesting to see if they actually do that in the real deal, sure. you know, against, against UT Martin. I guess my question would be to you guys just, do you think Tennessee will keep going on that, and do you think that has some wheels to it? Do you think they can do it? Yeah. I mean, they'll definitely shoot more threes than we're used to this season. That's it. Sounds like that's something that Rick Barnes has emphasized all all off season and early now in the fall is that when they get open shots, you know, take them. When, yeah. when you when you're passing the ball around, you have an open shot and you pass it away or you try to set something else. Sometimes it works, but a lot of times mm-hmm. you just miss an open look. And so that's something that they've been focusing on is if they get they get the looks even from deep, just to go ahead and take them. They've got some good shooters now between. Justin Powell and Victor Bailey and um you know whoever else you want to throw in there but when they get the looks I think they're going to take them this year now obviously the forty six attempts that they got again a bit skewed Lenore Ryan you know and sure. SEC defense isn't probably going to let you know, have that many looks mm-hmm. but I think that 
they might be a three-point shooting team this year just because of this philosophy that we've got good, you know, accurate sharpshooters that can hit from deep. If we get a, a look, we'll take it. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> Everyone acted like they wanted to talk, and I think I think that makes sense because there's just so much to talk about about this Tennessee yeah. basketball team. It's the good. thing I want to bring up is, do you think Rick Barnes did this because, I don't know, his thing has always been putting experience over talent, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's a weird way to put it, but he's always favored putting those guys that he knows will work well in his system out on the court and, you know, running his offense. Do you think just having those guys like Viscovi have another year, like Josiah James have another year, Victor Bailey have another year in his offense, do you think he just has more confidence in their ability to shoot threes and that's why they're doing it, or do you think there's some other outside factor? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I think, I mean, obviously you, you've got probably your best shooting roster and probably that Rick Barnes has had with, at mm-hmm. Tennessee, if I had to guess. So I think that's a huge part of it. Um, he's got, I think he's got more confidence in, in those returners, like you said, like Victor Bailey, Muscovy, um, uh, Josiah Jordan-James. Um, so I think that plays a lot into it. But I think I, it almost looked like on last last Saturday that – I think in the past, if you take a bad shot, like if you take a shot five feet behind the line, you miss it, you're getting pulled, like you're coming out of the game. I think maybe he's moving away from that. That is something, guys, I forget who said it. It might have been... I believe it was... Powell? I think Justin it was Powell? Justin Powell, yeah. Yeah, which he is said, weird because he hasn't played in his system too long. But yeah, yeah. yeah he's, anyways, he, to Andrew's point, he said, you know, normally Rick Barnes will pull you, but if you made a bad shot, as if you make it for it on defense, then you're fine. So I guess... Maybe a bit of philosophy change. I'm sure yeah. it won't be like that all season. He's not going to put up with bad shots, but sure. just early on at least. Yeah, and I'll, I'll jump in before someone makes their point. Also, on Ken Palm right now, Tennessee is ranked the number nine, number six defense in the country. Obviously, they haven't played yet, so it's really I, – I don't know how they get these numbers. But, <laughs> but Ken Palm is usually a pretty reputable source when it comes to this stuff. So mm-hmm. seeing that and then also seeing just the high volume of threes that they took in that exhibition game – is it possible to have both? Yeah. I mean, I think I think with this team, it definitely is. Um, I mean, not to bring NBA basketball into college basketball, but the Golden State Warriors, obviously one of the best shooting teams in the NBA, are also the number one uh, defense in the NBA right now. So I think that you definitely can have both of, the, both of those things, um, especially when you've got guys like Kendi Chandler that are – really great shooters, but also freak athletes that can keep up with, with just about anybody. Um, I think that makes it a lot easier. Um, obviously, we're not going to see um, we're not going to see Fulkerson pulling from three. We're not going to see <laughs> we're not going to see Euros pulling from three. Um, so I think we don't have those shooting big men like a lot of these other really good defensive and also really good three-point shooting teams have, but I, I think, I don't see why we why we can't have both. Yeah, it, it, that's always been something in college basketball that's been hard to do. There's mm-hmm. there's kind of the four major factors of three-point shooting, regular shooting, boards, and defense, and if you can have all of those, you're going to be a pretty good team. Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of off the top of my head, BYU, mm-hmm. best shooting team in the country last year from three, I believe they were 50%, something stupid like that, which is just an absurd number, yeah. but they hit their threes. Their problem was they couldn't get back in transition and play defense. They couldn't get the boards. They'd shoot the three, and then they'd run back because they don't have anybody that can go get the basketball mm-hmm. and go put it back up. Tennessee does. They have Brandon Huntley-Hatfield. They have Olivier Conwa, who has taken a step, and by the way, was shooting threes yeah. in the exhibition game against Lenore Ryan. So, um, I mean, I hate to say it'll be interesting to see how, how they're going to move forward in that, but there's just a lot of things, I guess, Tennessee basketball could be doing that could really put them – 
in the upper echelon of, of college basketball this season. I think Rick Barnes has finally figured out the game of basketball is moving more to the perimeter side of it, mm-hmm. meaning you've got to space the floor and you got to be able to shoot. Because his last year with Grant Admiral, those guys were dominant down low. So, yes, we, you know, probably average at three-point, but you could rely on Grant and Admiral to get theirs. So you didn't need to worry about having shooters around them. These last, you know, two, three years, you need the shooters. Mm -hmm. Because once you don't have those guys who can just go and get a bucket, you need to space the floor, be able to have guys who can shoot, like a Powell, like a Chandler, Victor Bailey, who's getting better, and Vescovi. He's realized that. Obviously, we do have, Tennessee does have down-low players in Folky, only Hatfield, those guys but they're not at the level of Grant Admiral. So what he's done is I think he's got more perimeter-centric, got guys who can shoot, space the floor, so you can drive, kick, find the open look. And like we saw on Saturday, a couple Saturdays ago, shooting means a lot. So, I mean, obviously volume shooting, he can tell threes, I mean, kind of win games now. If you can't shoot the three, you're not going to win basketball games anymore. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. Um, basketball Kind of like all sports right now, football especially, kind of moving to an air raid, sure. offensive spread style. Basketball right now, the Golden State Warriors kind of started it, and it trickled down. Yep. You shoot threes, and if you make them, you win the game. Of course. If, if, if you make them at a, at a high level, you're going to win the game. Mm-hmm. The only team I can think of in recent history that's kind of disproved that, I guess, is the Utah Jazz last year. Yeah. I mean, they were shooting at a high level. They were the best three-point shooting team in the NBA last year, and they they started not hitting them in the playoffs, and yeah. it came back to bite them. Moving back to college basketball, I don't want to keep talking about BYU, so we'll talk about Baylor. Best yeah. three-point shooting team in the country last yeah. year, apart from BYU, of course. and they won the day. Yeah. So, so um, Tennessee, I guess, Rick Barnes, like you said, they're kind of starting to get with the times a little mm-hmm. bit because, you know, Barnes has always been the guy that's like, get to your place and hit your shot, yep. whether it's a mid-range, whether it's a layup, whatever. But now, that's not enough. I mean, you got to hit the three ball. you got to yep. be able to... to play with the big boys like that, like Gonzaga, who is also a good three-point shooting team, like Michigan, who is, like I said earlier, a good three-point shooting team. You've got all these guys that are just so good at that. No one succeeds anymore not hitting the three. And I think Tennessee was like 31, 32% last year. Not that good. Not great. Not at all. I mean, you've got to be sitting in the 35, 36 range to really be elite in today's game. If you talk about other three-point shooting teams, Alabama, in your league, last season, I mean, that's all they did was shoot threes. That one through five all could shoot. Mm -hmm. Just space the floor. Did not care. They're like, John, me, John, me, John Petty's pulling with a guy in his face 30 feet out. I don't care. I'm going to shoot this ball. I don't care. I will say Alabama is like the Tennessee football of college basketball yes. right now. <laughs> they just they shoot with no, no regard what. for human they, don't care. Yeah. they cross half court and they pull up. They, they, they have about 10 seconds and they pull up and yep. they shoot. And the thing that was stupid about it is they made it most of the exactly. time. Exactly. That's the point. <laughs> and so it, it just becomes impossible to play a team like that because obviously three points is more than two points. Yeah. And also it, it compounds upon yes. itself. Because yeah. if you hit a three, it doesn't matter if you answer it. They're going to hit the next three, and they're up four all exactly. of a sudden. Yeah. And so you have to be able to keep up. I've yeah. beat that dead horse several times in the past five minutes, but you have to be able to keep up. Yeah. And Rick Barnes is finally kind of figuring that out. Like, hey, I can't keep – like, i got to adapt too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, Rick Barnes, great coach. He's been to the Final Four with Texas. He's, you know, done good things at Clemson. He's done good things at Tennessee. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of realizing, hey, I can get better. My team can get better. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, obviously they have. Yeah. So, you want to wrap this up? You want me to wrap this up? Go ahead. All right. Well, (laughs) good good ending there. So, uh, Tennessee UT Martin, that's uh, Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Thompson Bowling Arena. Again, we'll have, there's a lot of sports going on right now. We'll have full coverage of all of it at utdailybeacon.com. But I guess that's it for today. Thanks for listening. Uh, Thank you all for being on. 
enjoyed it. Yes, sir. Uh, hopefully the audio is good. If yes. you're hearing this, that means it is. Yeah. Um, so we obviously <laughs> hopefully it problem. is. But one yeah. final thing, I'm about to go get my cookies from Moonshine Ooh. Cookies. Thanks a lot, Tay Taylor. Uh, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I do want to. I do want to jump in really, 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 really fast. Alante Taylor Taylor's dance. If I attempted that, I would tear attendance. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. So, Very true. Leave anyway. that to him. Leave that to him. But thank you for the cookies, sir. And on that note, it. thank you guys for there listening. Um, and we'll see you later. Yep. See you. See you next week.